Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. Ordained of old, these are ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. The word lasciviousness means without restraint, without moderation. In the book of Titus chapter two, verse 11 and 12, Paul says to Titus, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Don't judge the book of Jude by its size. Jude was written before political correctness. Jude, that little one chapter book of Jude is a declaration of war. He said, I was going to write to you about our salvation, but it was needful that I write to you that you contend for the faith that was once and for all time delivered to the saints. It is a declaration of war. That word contend there literally means to go out as a warrior, armed for battle. Jude has a striking parallel with the day in which we live. Jude is the last book before Revelation. Jude is the last book, if I might say it this way, before the apocalypse, before the impending judgment and doom. These men who had secretly slipped into the church were known as the Gnostics. They denied the Lord Jesus. They denied he was God. They didn't go to the Bible to get their teaching and their doctrine. The Gnostics went to the pagan philosophers, to the religious cults of their day for their teachings. Just as the modern liberal Christian does not go to the Bible for their beliefs. You were doing pretty good with the singing. Brother Ryan sent me an interesting podcast the other day. You have heard me say this in this church. 
that Thomas Jefferson had his own Bible, that he cut out all the miracles. And thus he, I was led to believe by the liberal theologian that Thomas Jefferson didn't believe in the miracles. When the truth was, this historian pointed out to us, it was just the opposite. He believed so strongly in the teachings of Jesus that he cut out all the teachings of Jesus and put them in one pamphlet. That's what they wouldn't have us believe. Listen to me. There's an attack against this right here. And the interpretation of this word is not left up to the Gnostics. And I'm going to tell you what Jude said. I'm preaching for a move of God this morning. Jude said, we're right here on the edge of the apocalypse. Somebody better get a hold of this word. Somebody better pick up this Bible. You better get off Facebook and get into the good book to find out what's right and what's wrong in our world. He said, I want you to earnestly contend for the faith. They denied the Lord Jesus. Are you with me? They denied the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, I am the almighty God. Paul said there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Paul said that in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. John said the Word was God, the Word was with God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? If you deny that, you're antichrist. He's all in all. Paul said he's the only potentate. It's settled. Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords and he's the King of kings. He's not Jehovah Junior. He is Jehovah. He is Emmanuel, God with us. When he said that we should contend for the faith, he is saying it was delivered one time, once and for all. He says you don't tamper with it. You don't take something out of it and you don't add something to it. This is it. Somebody has to go to war. Amen? Somebody has to contend for the faith. I'm preaching for a move of the Holy Ghost this morning. We are on the edge of the apocalypse. And our world moves on as if though nothing is happening. I would suggest to you this morning, it would be criminal to sit on the sideline and not contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? to illustrate to us the importance of what he is saying. 
The writer Jude gives us examples. As you know, Paul said, speaking of the Old Testament stories, these things were written for our examples, our examples. He talks about many things in that one little short book, and I think we need to think about them. You know, the word muse means to think. The word, just put an A in front of it, amuse, and it means don't think. In the book, The Practicing of Evil, that I read many years ago, the liberal people in Hollywood, the liberal theologians who wanted to change the minds of America about sin, knew that if they could put it in a comedy, a sitcom, if they could make people laugh, Muse means to think. Ladies and gentlemen, please listen to pastor this morning. We better start thinking. Amuse means don't think. I'll think for you. We better start musing. We better start contending like we're going to war. He had many things to write about. He talked about Cain, he talked about Balaam, he talked about Korah, he talked about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, he talked about Sodom and Gomorrah, he talked about angels that had fallen out of heaven, and he gave them all as examples. He gave them all as examples, and he's saying you better take a look at what happened to Israel. You better take a look and remember that God brought them all out. God brought them all out. There were two kinds of people that came out. There were the people who were God's children, and then there was the mixed multitude who went along for the ride, perhaps slaves of another nation of some kind, and he's warning us about them. Take a good look at the children of Israel because some of them died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Somebody shout, I'm gonna contend for the faith. Shout it out, I'm gonna contend for the faith. Pentecostal Bozier, I'm coming to preach to you this morning that we better contend for the faith. I got a dozen pages of notes, but I'm not moving past this first point until I feel a release in the Holy Ghost. We better fight for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Look at your neighbor and say, fight for truth. Fight for truth. Fight for truth. Look at somebody else and say, contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. He warned us about Cain, Cain's religion. He called it the way of Cain. The way of Cain. Be cautious, he said. Remember the way of Cain. Cain created man's first man-made religion. He substituted reason for revelation. He substituted beauty for the blood. He substituted beauty for the blood. He substituted trying for trusting. Cain may have been revolted by Abel's bloody sacrifice. The smell, the blood, the stench. Cain worked hard in his religion. He had to raise the garden by the sweat of his brow. 
He had to pull out the weeds. He had to do the waiting. He had to do the hard work. He substituted feeling for faith. I gotta believe that somewhere growing up, mama and daddy surely told him about that day when God came in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? That day when they saw their nakedness and they watched God kill an animal and put those bloody coats on them somewhere. Cain had to peer through the gates into that land we call paradise, into that garden of Eden and wonder how did we get here? How did we get to this place? I wish I could have lived in there. But Adam and Eve, I'm sure they told him it required somebody dying so we could live, so we could continue to communicate with God. Somebody had to die. But Cain lost it. He decided reason was more important than revelation he got from his mother and his daddy. And he offered a sacrifice from his garden. I worked hard at this, God. I created my own religion. I know you're gonna love this. He ignored the fact somebody had to die in order for God to receive his sacrifice. Oh God, I don't want a man-made religion. It didn't work then and it won't work now. God rejected it then and God will reject it now. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be talented enough. I'll never be smart enough. I'll never be enough of enough. I need the blood. I need Calvary. I need the old rugged cross. Somebody help me preach this morning. Cain's religion was rejected by God. But the Bible said by faith, somebody shout by faith. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain. I'm gonna tell you, the cross is our only hope. Calvary is our only hope. I said the cross is our only hope. Calvary is our only hope. Calvary is our only hope. There were examples, they were warnings. Notice now, the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Two kinds of people, the mixed multitude came with them. They started to murmuring. Be wary of murmurers. See the good in God's chosen. He said they were all, Paul said they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. These are our examples. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. That's 1 Corinthians 10 and 2. That's the water baptism and that's the spirit baptism. The water represented the water. The cloud represented the presence of God, the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in the water. They were baptized in the spirit. And that's our example. But modern day theologians would like to tell us they got a better way. There's not a better way. We got a lot of people getting the Holy Ghost today that don't go to the water. What's your hang up? Why are you holding out? Why are you waiting? If you hadn't been baptized by water, in the name of Jesus, what are you waiting on? 
Have you got a better way? Do you want a man-made religion? Or do you want a God-made religion? Repent. Be baptized. Every one of you. I'm making a call this morning. I'm making a call. If you're listening to this pastor preach and you've never been baptized in the water, don't you give me a man-made religion. You come say, I'm ready. I'm ready to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what he said. This is the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints and we're going to contend for it. I hope you're hearing me today. We're going to contend for it. He said you can be an angel in heaven with God. They lost their first estate. That word means a principality. They had a place of rulership. They had a place of authority. And they lost it. They lost it. Because they rebelled against the one true God of heaven and earth. They followed Lucifer in his rebellion against God. They thought they were going to have it their own way. So he said, take note of those angels. Take note of those angels who lived in heaven. And they lost heaven. And today, he said, they are reserved in chains of darkness. And they're waiting for the judgment of God. Because they went against God. They rebelled against God. And another example he gave was the example in verse 8 of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said their sin was fornication and going after strange flesh. I'm going to tell you again, Jude didn't know anything about political correctness because sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, please listen to pastor today. Sometimes if we're going to contend for the faith, we got to forget political correctness. We may have somebody get on our Facebook and start posting some nasty things, but I'm armed for war. I'm going to contend for the faith. On our National Men's Ministry website, we had people we had people posting things this week. We had to take down. Did you hear what Brother Ryan preached last week? Jesus said, you're going to be hated for my name's sake. Let's get out of that avenue of saying we got to have everybody like us. We want God to like us. We want God to like us. I want to contend for the faith. I got about one third of you with me right now. And all of you worshiping. Do you want me to preach to you? Do you want me to water down the Pentecostal message? Is that what we want? Come on, give him some more praise. Give him some more praise. Give him some more praise.
Somebody shout, I'm gonna contend for the faith. I'm preaching for a move of God, not your approval. Somebody said, that's an old fashioned message. No, this is a Bible message. I'm preaching out of the book of Jude, the last book before the apocalypse. And I hear God saying, come on, man. The apocalypse is coming. Preach, preach. In verse eight, he said, likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. If you will study that word, dignity, it means people in places of power. And Romans 13 said God put them there. You may not like them, but if God put, I got a conviction studying this. I got a conviction studying this. Because in our world today, that's pretty much every, all they're doing in the political world is speaking evil. Despise dominion. Speak evil of dignities. And then he threw me a curve. Listen to what he said in the next verse. He said, even Michael would not bring a railing accusation against Satan when they disputed over the body of Moses. The Holy Ghost had to reveal this to Jude. I'm certain the Holy Ghost revealed this to Jude. I'm certain because we didn't read about that in the Old Testament, but God showed Jude what had happened. I don't know why they were fighting over the body of Moses. I don't know. I'm sure the devil would have loved to have taken the body of Moses and turned it into an idol, and all of Israel who revered Moses would have began to worship that idol, and they'd still be worshiping it to this day. But even Michael, even Michael, that great archangel of the Lord would not bring a railing accusation against the devil. He said all he would say is the Lord rebuke thee. The Lord rebuke thee. The Lord rebuke thee. Lord rebuke thee. Let's be careful my dear brothers and sisters. Oh I know I'm going against the grain now. It's okay. I'm preaching the Bible to you. Be careful about your Facebook preachers that want to speak evil of dignitaries. If you want to preach truth, preach truth. But just say the Lord rebuke thee. So many of these preachers in that effort to control others completely ignore Bible teaching that if your brother has an offense against you, if you've got offense against your brother, you're supposed to go to them. You don't go to Facebook. But in my text he said, they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, into a place of no restraint. Greatest definition I ever heard of grace was God's willingness to get involved in your life. How many are happy for Calvary? Are you thankful he climbed up Calvary's hill, huh? That's when grace came to us. When I couldn't get to grace, grace came to me. God was willing to get involved in my life. I got a word 
You never have to feel hopeless because God is a God of grace. Don't let your past dictate your future because God is willing to get involved in your life. Don't say, I'll never break this habit because grace brings God into your life. Don't say, my marriage will never be better. Let grace begin to work in your life. Don't say, I'll never, no, let grace go to work. Grace is God's willingness to get involved in your life. There's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is simply saying, I didn't get what I deserved. Grace is saying, I got something I didn't deserve. I didn't deserve forgiveness. I didn't deserve baptism, having my sins washed away. I didn't deserve the Holy Ghost, but grace gave me something I didn't deserve. Woo, hallelujah. That ought to be shouting ground right there. That ought to be shouting ground right there. Preaching for the move of God. I didn't deserve to pastor this great group of people, but grace. You didn't deserve to be sitting in this beautiful building today, washed in the blood justified in the spirit, but grace, somebody shout grace. I couldn't get to him, so he came down to us, amen. Prodigal son didn't deserve mercy. He took his inheritance and wasted it with riotous living, but mercy forgave him. Mercy open the door to the house. That was mercy. Mercy was daddy running to embrace him. Been waiting on you, boy. I've been waiting on you, son. Mercy is daddy running down that road. Oh, I love that song. My brother sings, when God ran. The only time I ever saw God run was when he ran to me took me in his arms, that's mercy. Somebody shout mercy. He got mercy which gave him another chance. But I'm gonna tell you what Grace did. Grace had a party. Grace put a ring on his finger. Grace put shoes on his feet. Grace put a robe on him. Grace said, come on, let's kill the fatted calf. I'm here because of the grace of God, hallelujah. I didn't deserve what I'm blessed with today. But grace, somebody shout grace. Somebody, I'm gonna tell you, if a, if a backslider comes running home today, Jesus is right up here saying, come on, come on. No, he's gonna run get you. He'll go halfway to the back of church. He'll go to the highest riser. He'll come, come on, that's mercy. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, hallelujah. But I'm gonna tell you what grace will do. Grace will put you back in the Father's house. It'll put a robe on you. It'll put shoes on you. You're not a slave, hallelujah. Come on now, if you go worship to the singing, you gotta worship to the preacher. I'll go ahead and give you his second thing, his second rule, Brother Cunningham. If you're gonna worship with a guest speaker, 
When he preaches, you got to worship with the pastor when he preaches. Grace. I'm preaching hard this morning. I'm too old to do this. Grace is something on the inside. Working on the outside. Oh, what a change. Will somebody say it like that? Oh, what a change. Something on the inside. Working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, change in my life. He said in Titus 2 and 11 and 12, for the grace of God. Whoo! That bringeth salvation. I couldn't get to it, so he brought it to me. My God in heaven, I feel the Holy Ghost from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. He didn't bring it to a select few. He said, the grace that hath appeared to all men. You got a chance. There's a better day coming. There's a curse. I'm gonna preach about the cure in a minute if I get that far. If I don't, I'll finish later on. There is a curse. There's a curse on this world. But the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us Something on the inside. Working on the outside. Teaching us. Somebody say, teaching us. That denying ungodliness. Boy, I could preach 30 minutes on that. Deny ungodliness. And worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Can I just kind of go off on you right now? Thanks for permission, because that's what I'm fixing to do. I'm gonna contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Somebody's gotta stand up for godliness. Somebody's gotta stand up for living soberly. Now, I could go off on drinking this morning, but that's really not what that word means. It means to live with some moderation in your life and to live righteously. Somebody say, live godly. Hello? Live soberly, righteously, and godly. That's what grace teaches you. Jesus didn't tell the woman called in adultery, you go ahead and sin again, my grace will cover you. Now I'm gonna tell you what mercy did. God in heaven, mercy said, why are your accusers? She said, there are none. Do you hear what Jesus said? Neither do I condemn me. 
That's mercy. Getting what you didn't deserve. But I'm gonna tell you what Grace said. You don't have to keep living this way. You don't have to keep living in adultery. You, you, you can make a change, honey. He said, don't do it again. Don't sin anymore. Hallelujah, mercy and grace because grace is a teacher to be soberly, to be level-headed. That means you start drinking in some sunshine, S-O-N, shine, instead of moonshine. Somebody said, you trying to get people to quit drinking? Absolutely not. There's a few people I wish they'd change what they're drinking. Won't you start drinking some new wine? These are not drunk like you suppose, he said. It's the third hour of the day. This is that spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith the Lord, I'm gonna pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I wouldn't wanna participate in anything that's destroying the lives of millions of people. Well, I said I wasn't gonna get on that, but I did, didn't I? Amen. Amen. Can't imagine what Barry would think who had a lifetime. Oh, mercy came to you, didn't it, Barry? God have mercy. You were a rascal, man. 45 years. Stealing, boozing, drinking, drugging. I'll stop there. Mercy forgave him. Oh, I think I'll just shout a little bit about his mercy and his grace. Yes! 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 You see, Barry, God took them out of Israel, took them out of Egypt, and they walked out, and they went through the waters of baptism, and they went under the cloud. They got water baptized, and they got spirit baptized. But then God took them to Sinai. That's what grace did. And in Sinai, God said, I'm gonna teach you how to live. Mercy forgave him. Grace gave him something to be an overcomer. And God's telling him now, Barry, now quit that stealing. Live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And thank God he's been doing it for five years. You ought to shout about that. Come walk with me, Brother Philip. Come on, walk with me. This old rascal, he ran from God so long, we probably couldn't even count how many years he ran from God, but mercy found him when cancer came in his body. Hallelujah. Cancer woke him up. Cancer decided for him, I need God in my life. You know what? Some old judgmental somebody started to say sucker, but I don't need to say that in the pulpit. Some old judgmental somebody would have said, you know what, I don't know why he waited so long, but that's not mercy talking. Woo! That's not mercy talking. 
You're going to get a touch while you're walking with me, Brother Philip. He wants me to pray for him. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, you're going to get a touch while you're walking with me. But Grace said, come on, Philip. Let's start walking right. Hallelujah. Let's go to Sinai. I'm going to tell you how to live. Oh, my Lord. Don't water down this gospel. It'll bring you renewal. It'll restore you. It'll revive you. You'll recover all. It'll restore you. It'll renew you. It'll revive you. It'll recover all. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe in the transforming power of the Holy Ghost? How about all of you in the back half of the building? Do you believe it? That the Holy Ghost will transform you. That grace will teach you how to live soberly. Godly. He said, they turned the grace of God. This beautiful thing I have been preaching about. They turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, denying the Lord Jesus. Grace Can I paraphrase this for you? They took grace and used it as an excuse to continue their sinful lifestyle. When I couldn't get to grace, but grace came to me, he brought grace to me. And then I take that grace and I turn it into lasciviousness, a license to sin, a license to live my old lifestyle. Is this what God intended? Should we sin, Paul said, so that grace may abound? God forbid, I pulled you out of that. I know people who read the Bible looking for an excuse to sin. I hear about them on the news. I read about them. Oh, something just came to me. Be seated, I'm getting ready to close. That's not usually what you say when you're getting ready to close. Thought I'd throw you a little warning there. (laughs) How many of you watch The Bachelorette? Yeah, I figured you'd lie. and a hand up in the whole building. I don't know enough about it. I wouldn't waste my time with Jesus said not 12 hours in a day. You think I want to give an hour, however long it's on, away to some debauchery? But I did read on Fox News that some guy, you know, you got one woman and all these men Oh, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about, please. 
Some of you are afraid to even raise an eyebrow like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. What was that? Oh, nobody's perfect. Anything's possible too. And if you're watching it, quit. The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. <laughs> anyway, whew, that was good. I got to give it to you for that. That was pretty, pretty good. Just don't do it again, okay? So I read this on the Fox deal that this guy, you got one woman and all these men. There is a scripture in Isaiah about a bunch of women wanting one man. But these are all a bunch of men wanting one woman and it's all staged anyway. They got cameras out there. My God, we're gullible. Ask Levi Golden. He was on Billy the Exterminator. Ask him how propped up and everything staged. So the guy says he's saving intimacy for marriage. I want to wait until I'm married to be involved intimately with my wife. And she went off on him and sent him home. He's Boy, you won't even act like you know what I'm talking about. I gotta hurry. Oh Lord, I gotta hurry. And she decries him for being self-righteous and judgmental. And she has faith too. And I've already been intimate with two of the men on the set. But don't tell me I don't have faith. You got faith in something. Hey, turn in the grace. It's all in our world. It's everywhere. And the apocalypse is coming. But we're gonna contend for the faith. Give the Lord one more hand clap and come musician. Feel the cinemas up. Look at bare backsides and bare hineys and half bare breasts and people crawling in and out of bed and act like that's not ungodly. You say, oh, you're gonna be old fashioned. No, I'm gonna be Bible. How about us just not turning the grace of God into lasciviousness? How about somebody saying if it's virtuous, if it's pure, if it's holy, if it's godly, that's what I'm gonna think about. How about somebody saying I'll not put anything wicked in front of my eyes, how about it? But this attitude has prevailed in our Christian liberal theological world and Jude is saying it's time to go to war. You say, well, who are you gonna change? Well, I might save you. I might help you. 
Some you save with compassion. He said, others, you pull them out of the flames. I'm gonna tell you how far God will let the church go to rescue somebody. He said, you can pull them out of the flames. You can go all the way. That's the mercy of God. They're almost in the flames, but reach in. You can pull them out. That's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to reach for somebody. Solomon inherited a spirit of revival, a great land. But the Bible said he filled Jerusalem with idols. That man-made religion. I don't have time to talk about the era of Korah who rose up in rebellion against God's man, Moses. Dothar and Abiathan were with him, but their whole families was destroyed. 12 Psalms are written to the song, sons of Korah. Woo! There was a point in time when the sons of Korah said, Daddy, we're not taking part in your rebellion. Because the earth opened up its mouth and they fell in. They heard the screaming crying of not only adults, but babies and teenagers as they fell in that hole. I don't know when they did it. The Bible's mute on it. But somewhere the sons of Korah said, Daddy, we're not going to participate in this. We're not going to be a part of this. And 12 of the Psalms in the book of Psalms are written to the sons of Korah who apparently became great worship leaders in the church. Here's your song, son of Korah. Sing it. You know, the next day after that happened, the next day, the people started murmuring about God taking the lives of these people. Serpents came. The Bible said that Korah's bunch, they all wanted to have a censor. They wanted to be priests. Is Aaron and Moses the only people that can be a part of this? So they all got them a censor and they're waving their censors and Moses said, Aaron, take your censer and go stand between the living and the dead because the judgment of God was gonna come against them all. Yeah, however, Aaron took his censer and he went out and the Bible said he stood between the living and the dead and that's what I'm trying to do today. Do you understand that? Paul said it's not good to touch a woman. Oh, Will you go ahead and cut that out of the Bible? Make your excuse. But I'm gonna contend for the faith. Moses waved that censor and then God said, take all their censors, Moses, the 250 of them. I want you to melt it down. I want you to put it on the brazen altar. Every time somebody brings a lamb or a sacrifice, they'll be reminded of this day. When a man said, I'll do it my way, not God's way. He took the book and said, you know, this is a good book, but it don't fit anymore in our world. But every time that Jew drug a lamb or a turtle dove to that altar, there was 250 melted censers laying on the top of that brazen altar. And after it was over, God said to Moses, take Aaron's censer the next day and put it in the holy place. 
How long have I preached, oh my God? He said, put it in the holy place. Get a man from every tribe of Israel, let them bring their own staff. They all had a staff and put it in the presence of God. I'm gonna let all Israel know who my man is. And the next morning they walked in there and they all got their staff out. And overnight, Aaron's staff had budded, it had blossomed, and it had almonds on it. It had fruit on it. And God said to the rest of them, give them their staff back. But take that rod that budded, and I want you to put it in the Ark of the Covenant as a constant reminder. I'm gonna tell you there's a lot of people walking around with dead religion Put it in the presence of God, it didn't produce one thing. Left it overnight in the holiest of holies, it didn't do one thing. Left it overnight in God's presence and nothing happened to him. And I'm fearful that I'm preaching to somebody today that walked in here to the presence of God. You'll carry your own staff out, but it's a dead staff. It's not alive. There's no life in it. You know what I want to do? I want to do what that song said. He tore the veil from top to bottom. That's what grace did. Grace tore the veil. For now, he said, come boldly to the throne of grace. It was from heaven to earth. It wasn't from bottom to top. It was from heaven to earth. Stand on your feet and clap your hands right now. We need the fruit of the Holy Ghost in our life. You better be able to hold that staff up and see some love and joy and peace and long suffering. You better be able to hold it up and say, look what the Lord has done. I don't even preach this long anymore unless I go out of town. So what's the cure? I've been preaching about the curse. Well, I don't have time to preach about the cure, but I'm gonna tell you one thing. There's a man he wrote about in the book of Jude. His name was Enoch. The Bible said that Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God. And he was not. God took him. The word literally means he caught him away. He was there one minute. He was there one second. Talking to Brother Bell. Sitting at the supper table with his wife and the children. And they're fixing to say something to him and he's gone. He's walking down the road speaking with him. He's gone, let me tell you. He was raptured 70 years before the flood. That means that for 50 years, Noah had been building that ark. And there's a verse in the Bible. Oh God, I ought to let you off church tonight because you've been here so long. It's in the book of 2 Thessalonians. And I don't even know where it's at in my notes. 
If they could put it up on the screen for me. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let him till he be taken out of the way. That's the church of the living God. And that's what's holding judgment back from America right now. And so that's why we better contend for the faith because we have people we want to come to God. Apocalypse is coming. Judgment's coming. God is not a man. He cannot lie. Let the church be the church. Don't water down the grace of God and turn it into lasciviousness. I want you to get a hold of somebody by the hand, Pentecostal exposure. My God, we've got to stand for truth. We've got to be a light in this world. We want our staff to blossom and bear fruit. We want to move of God in this church. Enoch had a testimony. If we have no testimonies in this church, then I don't know if I want to be a part of a church that has no testimony. What's your testimony, Enoch? I please God. My life pleased him. You're living in a world of debauchery where men's minds are continually set on evil, where there's idols set up on every corner, on every high place. But Enoch just kept walking with God. Can I get you to walk with me, Pentecostals and folks? Is somebody willing to walk with me? We don't have to question everything that comes down the pike. Let's don't water down the gospel. Let's start doing some thinking. Let's muse on the word of God. Does anybody need his mercy this morning? Does anybody need his grace? They're gonna start singing, we're gonna start praying. I know somebody's worried about the lion at the restaurant. We better get over it. Do you need his mercy? Do you need his grace? Christianity's decried. They make fun of just all Christians, much less us. It's okay. It's okay. They that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's okay. I want a testimony. Thank God we have some testimonies in Bozier. Thank God we have some testimonies sitting on our pew. Oh my God, move across this congregation. We're standing, God. The church is here holding back the apocalypse. The church is in this world holding back the apocalypse. But we know that when the gospel is preached into all the world, the end's coming. God, don't let this American church get caught up in this world. 
God, raise up young men and young women who will contend for the faith. Raise them up, oh God. God, I'm calling on you now. Reach for us. Reach for us, oh God. Reach for us. Reach for us, oh God. Forgive us of our carnality. Forgive us of our ungodliness and worldly lust. Forgive us for filling our minds with the things of this world. Forgive us, oh God, for being so caught up. We forgot how you look at sin, oh God, the transgression of the law. Don't let us turn your grace into lasciviousness. Don't let us turn your grace into lasciviousness. Oh God. Oh God. Somewhere, somewhere. Oh God. I feel like God's calling us to repentance this morning, Pentecostals of Bozier, and every guest that's with us. I feel like God's calling us, saying, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. God's calling us to a place of repentance. Let every man examine himself and see whether he be in the faith. What if we accepted his main line, oh God, that you're opposed to? Help us, help us. Forgive us from the oldest to the youngest. Forgive us from the oldest to the youngest, oh God. Forgive us. Forgive us, oh God. Forgive us, oh God, for being amused instead of musing. Forgive us, oh God, for being amused too often when we should have been musing, oh God. I'm not trying to be facetious, but I feel like Somebody needs to go to their knees this morning. Say, God, I want a testimony. The mercy of God's reaching. The grace of God is teaching. Oh, yes, I want a testimony that I please God. my heart to fear, oh Lord. Don't let me lose my all, God. Don't let me lose my all, God. Oh my Lord. 
Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. Oh my God. We need your mercy, oh God. So we don't get what we deserve. We need your grace, oh God, so we can get what we didn't deserve. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Our eyes are upon me, O oh Lord. Our eyes are upon me, O oh God. Our eyes are upon me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not gonna water it down. I'm not going to water it. Never, 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 never. Hallelujah. was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious is that grace of fear the hour when we've been there 10,000 years let's sing it when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining To sing God's praise and win. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
reach and reach and reach. Anybody got a testimony this morning? Have you got a testimony? Turn around to somebody and say, I got a testimony. He didn't leave me where he found me. He didn't leave me where he found me. We went to Sinai. I went through the water and the cloud. I went to Sinai and grace is teaching me. <laughs> 